I like it spooky. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Clint. And I got a story that I really think that Jason's going to appreciate. You ready for this story, Jason? I'm ready. All right, good. So I'll try to keep it short. I'm at Creature Feature Weekend, and I'm sitting at my table, and uh, I'm listening to my playlist. And this Kim Dracula song comes on that they did with Korn. I don't know if you guys know who Kim Dracula is. I don't even know if I like Kim Dracula yet. I just kind of like this song. Kim Dracula is kind of like if you were to take Marilyn Manson and he sounds like King Diamond, but he's like new metal, that's Kim Drack. So I'm playing this song. This vendor walks by and he goes, oh, oh, I thought you were listening to King Diamond. You're just listening to that Kim Dracula. That's bullshit. And he was all disappointed, you know? And he's like, next time I walk by, I want to hear some King Diamond. And I'm like, oh, okay, buddy, whatever. I'll do whatever I can to make you happy. So a little while later, he walks by and he happens to notice that I have the uh, cops do it by the book shirt from Halloween 4 up in my rack. And he goes, oh, I love Halloween 4. It's my favorite. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm a, I'm a Halloween 6 fan myself. And he looks at me and he goes, you just exist to piss everybody <laughs> off, don't you? And I say, yeah, yeah, basically. I can be a little difficult. <laughs> now, do you really like Halloween 6 or you were just fucking around? No, I do. I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite, in the, but I... I like how if I had if my choices were Halloween four and Halloween six, I'm going Halloween six all day. It's not a joke. It's a lifestyle. So, I mean, yeah, I can be kind of difficult. And you know what else is difficult is choosing from all of these great news stories that popped for this recording. Let's check out the news. Yeah, it was difficult, but somehow we did it. We got some doozies for you guys. I'm going to talk about one now. You guys won't hear it for a couple of weeks, so I'm sure this is going to constantly change. But Mondo was said to be getting, the Mondo poster division was said to be getting phased out by Funko. They had released a thing saying that they were going to kill the poster thing. Then they kind of backtracked on it and said that they're not going to do that. They're, you know, they kind of put some bullshit thing out saying that this is like a great part of the company, all this stuff. But then they fired the art director and creators of the Mondo poster company. So, I mean, they're going to come in and keep the name, but it seems like they're going to kind of change everything. So I follow some of the artists I know we've talked about on here before, but Jason Edmiston, Ghoulish Gary, some of my favorites. Um, I know Jason Edmiston has been very vocal about how pissed off he is about this whole thing. And he let them know, like, you know, that the artists are loyal to, you know, people that they've worked with a long time. So I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to go on in the future. What's going to happen? Is Mondo going to still be around? Are they going to have some of the great artists that they have? I'm worried that the ultra limited posters are going to turn into mass produced, you know, posters, which I guess it gives everybody a shot to get a poster. But that's kind of the appeal of Mondo is the exclusivity of trying to get one of those. Yeah, I saw Gary Poland. I, I read his post uh, just yesterday or the day before, and, and he really wasn't lashing out or anything, but he kind of made it known that he'll follow those art directors wherever they go. Like they helped him get his break into the business and they have a great relationship. Then he posted some pictures of um, 
a lot of great artwork that he's done for Mondo, you know, some prints that he still has. So what is this? Is this uh new management coming in and firing all the old people to start all over? Or? Yeah, yeah. Funko bought them out and they're coming in and doing it their way. That's crazy because Funko, remember the news thing about Funko just a month ago where like they unload like a ton of their figures and just toss them in the garbage? I read that same article and the way I understood it, Jason, is they're going to do posters. Let's be honest. We are blessed beyond blessed in the horror community with amazing artists from top to bottom. They can find new artists. They may not be as good as these guys, Jason Edmondson and Gary Poland. They will find new artists because people need to work. But it sounds like they're going to take the limited posters and do away with it and make it more like a you can order for 24 hours and then once those 24 hours are up, we'll produce that many posters and that'll be it. We all know Funko. You go in Target, the shelves are overflowing with stuff that's been there for months that nobody's buying. They're taking a ton of it to the trash, the trash heap. Somebody said, why don't they donate? There's kids in St. Jude or that don't have toys. Why don't they donate it to that? And I gather it's a, we dump it. It's a tax write off. I don't know what they're doing. I think they, like you said, they just bought it for the name. They're going to keep the name. Have they said anything about the records? Have they? I haven't heard anything about that. No, no. I've just been hearing about the posters. Half this room I'm sitting in is Mondo posters. They're hard to get. Like you said, you got to be right there, right at 11 o'clock Eastern. You know, there's several days I've sat at work and set my alarm for two minutes before 11 to jump on their site and try to get a poster. That's kind of the fun of it. I'm all for free markets, but I am totally against like corporate conglomerates because every time that happens, everything just starts to suck. Hey, maybe maybe there's a positive spin out of this. Maybe it's going to turn into like the the Monday Night Wars from '90s wrestling. You know what I mean? Those art directors and Poland <laughs> and I'm sorry, Jason, the other guy that you mentioned. I uh, what was his name? Jason Edmiston. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're all just going to go start their own company and they're going to have competing artwork companies. Yeah, I'm all for that, too. uh, Us fans will be the winner. Yeah, I mean, they can go if they have the artists on board, they can go start their own company with just a few of those and kind of pull in new ones and people will follow them. I'm going to go where the artwork's the best. I mean, affordable. That was another thing about the Mondo stuff. It was getting kind of expensive for a poster. I mean, I know it's limited, but some of their stuff, you were better off waiting until after it sold out and then going on eBay and buying it. Sometimes. But some of the stuff not. I mean, your Halloween stuff, I collect Return of Living Dead. Your Halloween stuff, that was not the case. The minute it sold out, there was people putting it on eBay for two or three times, and that's what it would sell for. Uh, So one more story. This is kind of up Brian's alley here. Arrow has uh, announced a new release coming out. Uh, It's a series called Enter the Video Store Empire of Screams, which is Charles Brand's old company. He created that one before Full Moon and... They have a a big box set coming out. It's going to contain Dungeon Master, Dolls, Cellar Dweller, Arena, and Robot Jocks. I don't know much about any of these. I've heard a, I've heard about a couple of them, but when I saw this, I knew Brian was probably going to be excited. I'm sure it's going to be in his collection soon. He looks like the Cataway the Canary right oh. now. With the look on his face. <laughs> it, it sounds really cool. They have uh, limited edition packaging, reverse sleeves, double sided posters for each film. 15 postcard-sized art cards. It's kind of cool. An Arrow Video Store membership card. It's kind of fun. Plus an 80-page booklet that comes with that. That's slated for release around June 27th of this year. It looks beautiful. Have you seen pictures of it, Bri? 
Yeah, I, I saw pictures, I saw the box, and I saw all the movies listed. I didn't go very deep into it because I saw it wasn't coming anytime soon, but I was like, oh, man. It's like 65 bucks. That's not bad. It doesn't seem horrible, yeah. Not when uh, Arrow stuff's usually like 30 bucks for a Blu-ray. I tend to shop with Arrow. I haven't bought anything from them in a long time, but that was the start of my Blu-ray collection, was buying Arrow stuff from England. I'd shop when they have sales. I could be wrong, but I'm thinking this was a uh, U.S. release. I think that's what I was reading about it. I could be wrong, but yeah, it was going to be an Arrow U.S. release. So should be un- a region unlocked for us here in the United States. So a lot of other people can enjoy it. That doesn't matter at my house. No, no. I have an unlocked Blu-ray player, so. You're fully invested. Because when I would buy from them, it was cheaper to buy from England and have it shipped here than it was to buy from any company in America. Even with the exchange rate sucking, you know, like the dollar's worth like 50 cents in England, um, it was still cheaper to buy from them and have it shipped here. Just got to wait a little bit. Yeah, the first shipment, I waited like two months. It sat in Chicago for like six weeks, just waiting to go through customs. I'm like, these motherfuckers are probably opening my movies and watching them and then sealing them back up. What is taking so long? (laughs) What do you think, Clint? I think that it's almost like we're in the golden age as memorabilia collectors and stuff, you know, for, for the horror genre. It just, every time you turn around, Mondo, Arrow, NECA, Ink Mirrors, <laughs> just kidding. Seriously, at local local artists that no one's heard of yet that you see at conventions, it's just, I mean, looking at everything behind Jason, you guys listening can't see, but I mean, we all have these massive collections and it just does not stop. This has to be the golden age for collectors and i'm i just hope it keeps going for a long time that's exciting times i'm loving it speaking of golden age one of the news segments that i found was something's happening with blockbuster video as the website and social social media accounts are turned back on i came across this article from um, geektyrant.com and it says uh, something has happened with the classic Blockbuster video brand as the official website and social media accounts have been turned back on. Blockbuster video is owned by Dish Network and nothing has ever really happened with it since its demise. But if you go to the website, you get the classic log with a caption that reads, please be kind while we rewind and we are working on rewinding your movie. Um, there's really nothing else to go off of, but it's exciting. Like, what are they? Maybe Blockbuster is going to hop back in into the not hop back into, but hop into the streaming world. You know, who knows? Hopefully they'll open some more doors, but I can't, I don't know if I can see them really doing that. I talked to my wife a lot about it and I'm like, man, it would be fun to just go to a video store, look around, do that stuff. I'm not sure. I guess at a, at a limited market, they could do it. Even if it's just like a sales type thing, not quite a rental or it'd be cool to see what happens anyway. I, I would see a brick and mortar from them being more kind of like a, an FYE or a hot topic or something like that. You know what I mean? Or like a Spencer's gifts or whatever, where you could go there and, and buy all this great golden age stuff that we're talking about as well as movies. The streaming thing, I think it's kind of weird for them to jump into just because that's almost saturated. There are so many streaming platforms. What are you going to do that's going to set you apart besides the name and that, that nostalgia feeling of, oh, I'm just I'm dealing with Blockbuster, you know? I think in a large market like a Chicago and New York and L.A., you know, big cities, they could do a brick and mortar. We sell movies. We sell merchandise. We do rent movies. I mean, I think in big cities it may work. And it's weird. When this started happening, I got like a thing from Redbox that said, your Redbox is closing. 
So we have a red box. We had one in Walmart and it's gone now. So we only have two left in town. We used to have like eight in the area, you know, within like 10 mile radius. Now we only have two. And I use red box sometimes because, I mean, you go to watch something on streaming. It's like 20 bucks to rent it. And then you can watch it in the red box for like two bucks. So I'll hit the red box up sometimes. I could see it working in a large market as a brick and mortar with maybe some rentals. Who knows what they would do? I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, maybe they build theaters and show some of the older stuff. No idea. Make it an experience. The last blockbuster in the United States, now you can like rent it out for the night and stay in it like Airbnb. (laughs) Really? Like the experience of, yeah, like it's a whole experience. They said they only have like a couple years like money wise to last. That'd be fun. It's like in Washington though, isn't it? Washington State, I think. Yeah, it's nowhere around us. Does it have that blockbuster smell to it? Oh, I don't know. I would imagine. You see me walking around, sniffing deep breaths in, like, oh, I'm 19 again. Oh, this is great. <laughs> like, the fo- like the fountain of youth. I tell you what, it was really hard with all the news stories to, to pick out what to talk about. I mean, there's stuff about more George Romero stuff about uh, Resident Evil documentary about his involvement with the Resident Evil film that never came to be. There's some John Waters stuff. There's some Boston Strangler on Hulu stuff. But the other one I'm going to settle on here is I don't have a lot of experience with the this organization so I can't say you know I, I guess I think they're credible but I, I haven't uh, dealt with them but CPA authentic autographs and it's cpaauthentics.com they're doing an autograph pre-order thing with Clive Barker and uh, you can order by May 26th to get um, a Clive Barker autograph. So yeah, you just go to cpauthentics.com for more details. That's pretty cool because when the hell is the last time Clyde Barker has been at a convention? I don't know. I don't, I've never seen him anywhere. So Say a price or anything on it, Clint? I'm just going off of the, uh, the advertisement. I have not yet clicked on the site to look at the info. Yeah, I've ordered through CPA before. Oh, you have? Okay, okay, good. I have, yep, yep. It's a great company because they go and they'll pre-sell stuff and you can pick pictures. You can send them stuff and they'll take it and have it all signed for you um, wherever you want it, mail it back to you. I mean, there is a pretty good charge for it, but it's kind of a cool thing when it's people that you can't get to or won't have the chance to meet. Kind of like your Laurie Strode thing, your Jamie Lee Curtis thing that just came up. Exactly. But that was like through her. But yeah, this is through a company that goes and does it. And actually on the next segment, I'm going to talk about one of these companies in a little hookup I got. Well, not just me. A lot of people got one, but I'm super excited still. We should just segue into that. I mean, Brian Brian probably doesn't have anything good to talk about the news, so we should just segue into that. Go ahead. Clive Barker's 65 bucks, and then they calculate shipping. So, I mean, that's to me, affordable. Yeah, some other cool names. Lynn Shane, that's from Insidious. She's 60 bucks. Yeah, they do a lot of signings with them. What do you mean I don't have any good news? The mole people are coming back, Clint. The mole people? You remember them from your childhood? So Universal remaking the 1956 classic, The Mole People. And I picked this one because I just got that uh, mouse pad that's the Universal Monsters, new for work. I just saw Creature from the Black Lagoon and The Wolfman in the last year on the big screen. So I'm kind of becoming the old man of the show, I guess, seeing all these old Universal Monsters movies. I know it's not the same universe, but it could be. I mean, you imagine living in a universe with The Mole People and Dracula and The Wolfman, Frankenstein, The Creature from Black Lagoon. You never leave your fucking house. I just want to go on record that I'm the only one of us three that put a black and white movie from 1960 on our potential cover movie cover list. So 
anything that I watch in black and white is because they didn't have enough money to make it color. <laughs> like it's so trashy, they couldn't even make it in color. So in the new movie, it says, in the new take, a woman travels to a town veiled in a conspiracy to rescue her grandchildren from their father. To do this, she must fight through hell and the underground tunnels where the mole people reside. Is her dad a mole person? Might be right up my alley. <laughs> Shit, kids are like half mole, half people. I haven't seen the original one, so I have, I have no opinion. I have no idea, so yeah. I don't think I have either. The picture for it's like a guy with gloves and a black t-shirt plastic mask climbing out of a hole in the ground i don't know if you, you can't see it but i was like oh shit that's the hard part about about remaking movies from that era is a lot of the charm of those movies was just the limited resources and crappy effects and really experimental film techniques that were emerging from that time that I think is really hard to capture when you remake films like that. But the first one that popped to my mind was uh, The Blob. And when they remade The Blob with what uh, in the 90s, I think it was, with like Kevin Dillon and uh, I forget her name, but she was in Saw 2, Shawnee Smith. That was a really good movie. It was a really good remake. So maybe the mole people will be cool. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be in black and white. That would be awesome. One that always comes to my mind is uh, The Shape of Water. I know it's not a remake of Creature from the Black Lagoon, but it kind of is. And they just went like the whole artsy direction with it. And the film looks beautiful. I remember taking um, my oldest chloe and jack to see it when they were kids and i was like oh it'll be fine it's just a creature from black lagoon and like halfway through the movie the creature and the lady are like fully naked having sex and i was like maybe this is a bad idea <laughs> that reminds me of uh the movie that we're covering here in a little bit and uh i watched it with boots when it first came out a couple years ago and then like 10 minutes into the movie i was like oops <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute i wonder what the budget's gonna be for the mole people who's making it who's remaking it did it say I don't know who's remaking it. I mean, it looks, they got one of the writers from uh, The Walking Dead. So, I mean, it looks like they have some names connected to it. It's obviously got to have some sort of budget then. Skybound? Oh, really? I wish we had more of a budget for, you know, our collectibles and just general lives. Because no matter what I do, I just remain poor. Brian, quit playing with your dolls. We've got important things to talk about here. So on uh, this episode of Why Are We So Poor, I, I do have some pretty sweet pickups, a lot of autographs, a lot of other little things. So we were talking about that CPA Authentics uh, doing uh, signings with people. There's another company I like, Mintage. They're from up near Chicago. So I, if, if I order from them, I seem to get everything quicker. So I kind of like going through them because I want that quick satisfaction of buying it and then having it in my hands shortly after. This was going to be the last thing I talked about, but since we talked about that stuff, I'm going to jump right into this one. We lost George Wilbur at the beginning of February. He played uh, Michael Myers in Halloween 4 and 5. He had retired from doing signings for years. Price of his autographs were were, you know, going pretty high because of the demand. Everybody wanted them and just weren't able to get them. I didn't know this. Nobody really knew this. And uh, Mintich and CPA both did private signings with George Wilbur shortly before he died. They didn't expect him to die, so they thought they would have time to like get him, put him out. But then I think they handled it well because Mintich went on a live stream and they're like, okay, we don't want to seem like we're making money off this guy's passing, but we had done the signing. We had the stuff ready. 
So we're going to release it. It's not going to be crazy expensive. It was kind of expensive, but you know, not what eBay prices were. So I was able to pick up a George Wilbur autographed picture, which I thought I would never have in my collection. So I got an autographed eight by 10. It's pretty sweet. His signature has suffered over the years, kind of like Tim Curry. I guess he was pretty frail at the end and his signature was still recognizable though. So it was kind of cool. I was able to pick up an eight by 10, but it was cool. They had Funko Pops, knives. It was pretty limited. They only had about, I want to say like 50 pieces or so, which isn't a lot. I definitely wanted to get myself an eight by 10. So I picked up an eight by 10. I already took pictures of it. So I'm going to have to share it here. I'll send you guys pictures, show you what it looks like but that's pretty sweet hell i've seen some i've seen some young able body signatures that you're like what the hell is that chicken scratch oh yeah exactly and that was it when i was going through and picking the autographs they would take a picture of each one and post it as soon as it's gone it's gone so i you don't have much time to like sit there and look and like verify the autographs and see which one looks better than others i think i did a pretty good job i was able to get a cool picture with i got the picture of him it was in oh shit I'm having a brain fart now, but uh, the one where he stabs the nurse in the little tunnel to the wall. That's part six. Yeah, yeah. So he was part six also. Or was he only part six? I should act like a real Halloween fan and know what I'm talking about, but... (laughs) You have, like, autographs from everybody top to bottom in the entire franchise. It's it's no wonder that you kind of forget sometimes what's going on. Only 42 people have played Michael Myers in the franchise history. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of, I also got um, J.C. Bandy, who played... um... (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, guys, I'm a Halloween fan, okay? She played... What was Daniel Harris's character? The little girl... Jamie Lloyd. (laughs) Jesus. Um, The girl who played Jamie Lloyd in part six, the one that had the baby with the whole cult of Thorn thing, and then Michael ended up catching up to her. Back to part six. I'm telling you, it's like the best. So I guess Bambox had released her autograph a long time ago. It doesn't sell a lot, but I was able to get a good deal on one. So I finally picked one of those up. Uh, Going along the same theme, I finally got myself a Charles Cyphers autograph. I got one through Days of the Dead web store they were having a sale they had some signatures from him clint was going to pick one up for me at a convention he went to last fall but charles cyphers unfortunately got sick and had to cancel yeah and i was bummed because he was at he was at a convention the weekend prior that i was at also and i just didn't get over to see him i remember you were like oh next week i could do it i got this but yeah it happens but I was able to pick one up, so I'm I'm excited for that. And it was the scene where uh, Dr. Loomis runs up to him outside the door that got broken into, and they're having their little dialogue. So it's cool. It has Donald Pleasance, Dr. Loomis, and Charles Cipher, Sheriff Brackett, talking about stuff. So I picked up that autograph. My walls are filling up with autographs even more. Uh, two more, qu- a couple more quick things. I've had the Horror Hound subscription. But I guess it had can't it had ended or something. I didn't renew it. So I finally picked up episode or issue ninety-five and ninety-six, the one with Dead Alive and the new one with Nosferatu. I love Horror Hound magazine. It's a it's a great magazine, one of my favorites right now. And then last but not least, Waxwork Records uh, released Chopping Mall. They finally reissued that after years. I have the original Chopping Mall release that they had done like it's on like a translucent pink but this one's like a red slat pink with splatter on it i picked up a couple of those i got one for brian one for me we saved on shipping by going in on it together so finally got chopping mall i love that soundtrack never heard of it (laughs) so i i was looking i was looking while you were talking and yeah george wilbur played michael in part six it was don shanks played in part 
uh, I think five, four and five. So. Thank you. I knew when I said it, I was like, okay, I, I think I'm off here. Yep. Thanks for correcting me there and showing that I really don't know what the hell I'm talking about, about Halloween. And neither do I. I had to look it up. So I'm going to be laughed at in the community now forever. But yeah, that's that's my that's my haul that took half the show to talk to you about. So <laughs> it, it it was quite a haul. I missed last episode because I was sick with you guys, so I didn't get to talk to about stuff. I, I think I taken up plenty of time now. That's it. What do you guys got? Go ahead, Brian. I'm going down this rabbit hole of who played Michael Myers and which movie. <laughs> Forty two actors later, Clint's at the end of the list. I went to part four and it says Tom Morgan, which I knew that, but that's just the bandaged one. I'm like, so who So uh, this episode will come out the week before we go to Motor City Legacy. So Motor City Legacy is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to drop this sometime that week, maybe even on my birthday, which is April 13th. I can send you my Venmo information if you want to give me some money to spend at the show. I did order a trick-or-treat poster. Should be here tomorrow. Finley, my four-year-old, loves Sam. Little girl from the bus episode or whatever part, whatever you call it. She's going to be there. And then another actor that's in the movie is going to be there. So I'm going to start kind of building the trick-or-treat poster for Finley as she gets older. You know, we'll see Quinn Lord again. We'll see some of the other actors, hopefully from the movie, start popping up at conventions. And then I got a Tar Man wrestling buddy from Return of the Living Dead. So I ordered this on Amazon, and this is the limited edition one that only 100 were made. I ordered the regular one. They sent me this one. If that's limited edition, then what the hell is it doing out of its box? Well, it was just in a box. It wasn't like in any wrapping or anything. Have I taught you anything? <laughs> Jesus. So I got Tar Man. And let me tell you something, brother. I got the greatest tag team partner ever. We're forming the mega powers. Freddy. So I got the zombie Freddy. And on the other side, he's a regular Freddy. Clint gets that reference, don't you, Clint? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I think my eardrums are bleeding right now. <laughs> so he's he's Freddy on one side and zombie Freddy with his eyes burned out on the other side. I mean, they're pretty cool. They were 20 bucks each. I think they were originally like 40. Kind of trying to clear out some stuff, some posters. and I got to hop in here. So this is the second time I've, see, I've seen Brian play with these things. If you guys get a chance, <laughs> I know this is a shameless plug. If you're listening, go over to our YouTube channel. Watch Brian's video where he uh, plays with these. It's just a lot of fun watching. <laughs> this little kid comes out from inside of him and he's just wrestling him around and playing. And it's it's great. Well, I don't know. I think that's about all I got. I was trying to figure... I got a new chainsaw. I mean, that's kind of horror related. Well, it dep- depends what you do with it. Oh, I'm just going to cut down a tree. <laughs> winky, winky. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, I didn't have a record shipment or a movie shipment. I got a new mouse pad. Are those Return of the Living Dead buddies going to go up there with Joe, Bob, and Darcy behind you? No, they go over on the other shelf. I got this. And I like a spooky horror podcast mouse pad. All I can envision is when we're done recording and the camera gets turned off here, Brian's going to go set Joe Bob and the Darcy doll up like, like they're making out. And then like Freddie and the tar man are going to come in and like eat them or something. No, we're doing WrestleMania. The mega powers versus the giant. I don't remember who Andre the Giants <laughs> tag team partner was from that, that time period. Do you? Andre the Giant didn't need a tag team partner. Well, no, but he had one, though, because that's who the Mega Powers were fighting, you know, for for Miss Elizabeth. Oh, wow. So I know he was up with Bobby Heenan then and the Million Dollar Man, maybe. Okay, so we're getting way off track here. Speaking of Million Dollar Man, that's not me, but I feel like I spent a million dollars. What do we got here? 
So I talked about this last episode. I tried to order the five inch Terrifier figure from Trick or Treat Studios, which some people are starting to get, but it's still on like a pre-order basis. And I was having problems with their site. So I wasn't able to order it. I sent them a message. They said that they've been kind of moving things over to a different website, which I think now is the move is official. So I wasn't even complaining or, or asking for a handout. I was just saying, hey, I'm trying to do this and I can't. Can you help me? And they threw me a 10% off, which was kind of nice. So because uh, I was able to get that ordered. And that Terrifier figure, if you listen, I think it was the last episode I was talking about. It's like the old school toys where you can spray them with water and get it cold. And then like red spots of blood will show up on the figure, which is pretty awesome. And it's only like 20 bucks, you know, plus shipping. I was able to actually get one of those ordered. And then I was recently at Creature Feature Weekend, first time, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I had a blast and I spent some money there because I met Tim Baum, who played Lionel in Dead Alive. One of the big draws for me to go there was Tim was going to have a hundred of these 3D printed lawnmower blades. There was only going to be a hundred of them. They said Dead Alive on there. They were detailed. He was going to autograph them. And I'm like, only a hundred. I have to get one. They had problems with shipping. They weren't there in time for the convention. And so a lot of people, including you guys, Brian, Jason, I was talking to you. You boasted the same thing. Everybody's like, well, let's just go to Home Depot and buy a lawnmower blade and have them sign that. But I happened to have with me um, number 48 of 50 of a distinctive Dummies Dead Alive toy that has baby Selwyn and has Lionel, Tim Balm, in the dual box there. So I took that to him. I go up, I meet Tim, nice guy. I show him this to say, hey, could, would you sign this for me? And he just looks at me, he says, where the hell did you get this? And I says, I found it on eBay, I think a while back. So, and I fell in love with it. He's like, I've never, ever seen this. You're, you're a lucky man to have. And he signed it for me. And then after us talking for a minute, I walk away from the table. I'm like, wait a minute. So if there's only 50 of these made, he's never seen it. He's only done like three conventions. I've got to be like the only person in the world with that limited edition toy signed by him. So I came home and like John Wick, I dug up a big hole in my basement floor and buried it and covered it in cement. So that way <laughs> no one will ever take it. I know that Jason's coming up here to my house soon. I don't want him fucking with it. It's hidden. No, I'm just kidding. It's on display. And then so when I met him, he also had, of course, some um, handful of, uh, you know, stills from the movie and everything. I got one autograph for Jason and I got one autograph for uh, our friend Ted from Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium. And then I, I, I posted it. I think I, Ted must have thought I was joking or something because I went over to Ted's house here earlier this week to drop some decals off that I made for him on our way to Weirdsville Records in Mount Clemens, Detroit. And I got all this stuff in this envelope and I'm, here's the sticker, here's the sticker. Uh, there was some cash for a gumball machine he did for, for the ex-girlfriend. Pull, I go, here's this. And he's like, oh my God. It was the autograph still from Tin Bump. And he's like, I did what? And I was like, I showed you a picture saying that I got it. I just thought it was yours, you know? I'm like, nope. So he was pretty excited about that. Also at Creature Feature Weekend, I went ahead and met, what is it about Halloween? The actor's name is eluding me right now, Jason. What's going on? The guy who played young Michael Myers in the original Halloween was there. Will Sandin. Yeah, thank you. And um, I had him sign my my Evo, which has young and old Michael, um, young and old Michael action figures. What else have we spent money on? 
I didn't do this, but um, so NECA's Holothon is still going on, and it's like part two, I think, or whatever. I didn't hop on the first part to get the Herman standalone monster NECA figure, which I want, and now I can't find it. Part two of Holothon just came out, and you can get Daniel Roebuck's grandpa monster or the count as he is in that movie so i ran to my target because we were we just happened to be right by there my local target and it was not there yet you can order it online though if you want it's like 36 bucks i think plus shipping so but i've also been wanting to get the neca frankenstein accessory pack and i just haven't hopped on it um i need to before i can't find it anywhere but as we're, we're in target and i'm looking for the count and I couldn't find it. And I go, oh, they had one of the Frank accessory packs. And I pull it out and I'm like, holy shit, here we go. And it's the only one. And in the corner, there was this big rip in the box. And I was just like, no, dropped to my knees, you know, dramatic movie moment, look up to the sky. No. So I put it back. I didn't get it. But another place where I did spend some money this go around, we're on spring break. Kids and I didn't go anywhere. Uh, so we did make a day trip to Detroit, went to Weirdsville Records. First time ever going there the store is phenomenal the people are cool they have books they have records they have brian stop playing with your dolls and listen they <laughs> he's playing with his put the damn dolls away they've got toys they've got all kinds of cool stuff the kids both got a, a few records i picked up and and jason i opened this so i could listen to it oh yeah this is a lot of fun and i got this um, on purpose uh, i found they had a couple goblin vinyls there and uh, this one is Squadra Anti-Gangsters. And the reason I got this is because they typically do a lot of more horror-based synth, you know, kind of music, orchestrated music. But this is that like late 70s, early 80s, kind of just like urban car chase scene and Death Wish type music, you know. And I was like, I love that stuff. I love that era. This album is a lot of fun. It's everything I thought it would be. The kids come down like, what the hell are you listening to? And I was like, enjoy it. That was pretty cool. The record's like this bright yellow. I also, when I was paying for everything, came across this CD sitting on the counter. It's called The Casket Bastards. And it's just a CD, and it's got some cool artwork and everything. And I'm talking with the owner of the store, and he goes, yeah, that's only 10 bucks. Does that guy look familiar? And I'm looking, and this guy here is the owner of the record store. And he's like the singer of the band. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So uh, Casket Bastards, I don't know if they're on YouTube or not, but if you are into just that kind of 60s wet sound, that garage rock kind of monster, rat rod, Dragula type stuff, this is a lot of fun. From Detroit, Michigan, pretty sure Weirdsville, Weird, uh, Weirdsville Records ships. If you're interested, check it out. You can probably order this and they'll ship to you. I paid 10 bucks for the CD. Did he autograph it for you? He didn't. He didn't. I should have asked him when I left. He's a cool guy. I, I'm going to see him again because I'll be going back. There was, um, I almost got for the ex-girlfriend, and I don't know why I didn't, Waxworks, The Bride of Frankenstein. Maybe it's not a duel, but, you know, it's the, the um, soundtrack to the movie Bride of Frankenstein. You know, Bride of Frankenstein, she's going to be at Motor City Nightmares. She is? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, if you've listened before, you know what's what I'm talking about. Uh, so I'm going to go back and grab that because it's sold out. I got home and I'm like, I should have picked it up for her. And she's a huge Bride fan and it's like sold out everywhere online. So I'm going to head back and grab And plus, I just want to go back. That place was cool. There was a lot of great stuff I wanted to buy. So let me ask you, what color was the record? 
Which one? The Bride of Frankenstein. I don't know because I mean it was I hadn't bought it, so it was sealed up. I couldn't open it. If you look online, I think it's white. I'm pretty sure. And then it's got like uh, a picture of the Bride of Frankenstein on there. Hold on. Right. Well, there there's two different releases. If it's the black and white one, I have to have it. <laughs> so oh really? So don't don't go back before two weeks. And then there's another one that's a beautiful like translucent pearl purplish record beautiful um i wouldn't know because it's all sealed up i think it'll say on the label if it's the black and white one like if it says on the hype sticker i mean i understand if you buy it ahead of me but (laughs) i really would love to get that one and now i don't know where my hype sticker is i wonder if i threw it in the case like if it would say on it i'm kind of i keep all my packaging i know clint's totally against opening stuff i'll open it but i'll keep all my hype stickers and stuff yeah, I kept the I kept the sticker for this Goblin album. Yeah, I'm super nervous because now I don't see my hype sticker for this record. So should have kept it sealed. Cold of Clint. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm totally hating life right now here. Did it have a hype sticker on the? I I honestly don't remember. I I asked Ted from uh, Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium. How many plugs can we give Ted? I don't know. But he lives about an hour. He lives about an hour away from there. And he was like, oh, this place looks pretty cool. I said, if you go, I said, there's a couple things I want to maybe you can grab it for me. So if he goes, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm like, I'll be going back. I just, it's almost two hours away from me. And um, so it's not like something I'm going to, you know, go do every day. Yeah. While we're up there, there's another stop I wanted to make. Well, I already planned on, on the way back, probably Saturday would be the best day. Cause we get out a little earlier is I'll drive you by the big house. We'll be passing through Ann Arbor on the way home. I think you oh, like, you do get out and get your, well, it's a little off the beaten path, but not far. So I figured you get out and get your picture taken there. Brian can bring his dolls and, you know, play with his dolls. Like they're playing football <laughs> or something in the back. Ground. Yeah, Jason's gonna get out and take a picture. I'm gonna get out and spit on the ground. Oh, <laughs> and I'm, then I'm gonna Jeez. punch you. <laughs> wow, violence outside of the big house. But yeah, so I mean, you know, Jason, just as you're as upset about not being able to find your hype sticker, I was kind of financially upset when I left Weirdsville Records because the kids really hit me. Well, the oldest really hit me. She got like six, seven records. You know, we didn't do anything for spring break. So I was like, guys, go get whatever the hell you want. I'm really poor. And um, I really think that we should take it to a sponsor so we can get some more money because I could use them. You know who Andre the Giants tag team partner was? Million Dollar Man. And you know what he says, Clint? <laughs> Everybody's got a price. You like blood? You like scary stuff? You like gumballs? Well, get on over to Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium, where their selection of horror and pop culture themed toy, candy, and gumball machines are as big as their name. You can find Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium on Facebook and Instagram. Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium will be on hand at Motor City Legacy in Detroit, Michigan, April 14th through the 16th. Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium will also be featured at other horror and pop culture conventions around the country. Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium. We dare you to say it ten times real fast. So now that we've heard from our sponsor, let's talk about the movie. The 2020 Shudder exclusive horror. This is a comedy. There's a lot of funny parts of this movie. Comedy Psycho Goreman. A nameless evil once buried forever. Now he's awake and he's ready for terror. But hold up, wait, there's a catch. 
This kid Mimi has a plan to hatch With the magic gem, she has the power The monster's a friend, it's her finest hour They'll go on adventures, cause all kinds of trouble Blow up the world and dance on the rubble First he needs a name Something cool, it can't be lame That's when it struck her, so cool and so mean The monster will be named P.G. What'd you guys think? Don't worry, I did the research, so it's okay. I've got a list of notes. Hey, so listen, before we hop into Psycho Gore, man, I got to touch on one thing real quick, okay? We were originally going to discuss Scream 6, and it kind of got away from us, and now we're doing Psycho Gore, man, which is great. But there's one thing I wanted to ask you guys about Scream 6, okay? It was like the most important thing of the movie to me. Did you guys catch the murder party costume in the beginning of Scream 6? Yeah, that was the best part of the movie. I was like, what? There's murder party and the girls are looking at me like, what the hell are you talking about? What's murder party? You haven't seen murder party? I don't think so. So I I came across murder party. I was just, I can't remember how I came across it. And it was shortly before Halloween of Palooza last year. And I was like, oh, this looks like fun. I'm going to have to watch this. And then it was like a day or two before I left to come to Iowa where my truck broke down. And that's why I'll never drive in Iowa ever again. Brian had, because you guys had movies and your own memorabilia and stuff out for sale on your table, and Brian had Murder Party for like a buck, and I'm like, oh shit, I just saw that. And so I, I bought it off him and I watched it, and it was a great movie. And it's um, it's, a, it's an indie flick, you know what I mean? I don't know what its, what its distribution was. It probably went straight to streaming or whatever. And uh, like, I don't know if it got a theatrical release, And uh, but it was a great movie. So in the beginning of Scream 6, they're at a Halloween party there, and the one character, I think it was the, the twin brother, wasn't it? Who always gets like murdered murdered at the end of the movie but comes back he had on the costume that the the main character of murder party i just pulled up a picture i see what you're talking about but yeah it didn't stand out to me so i don't know the little helmet and the cardboard helmet and stuff watch murder party it's it's fun it's a fun movie. okay since we're not going to talk about that i want to bring up one thing also so you know the opening scene with samara weaving when they're on the subway and everybody's dressed in the costumes there was somebody in a wedding dress with like a bullet belt around them, like her and Ready or Not. Have you seen Ready or Not? Oh, okay, I didn't catch that one. I thought that was kind of a cool little part too, that, you know, her movie, then she's in this one for a little bit. It was just kind of represented there. It was interesting. No, that's fun. There, there, there's so many little things in that movie. It's almost worth a second watch just for that to catch all those things. So you watch Murder Party. I'll watch Ready or Not. And then we'll segue into Psycho Goreman because Psycho Goreman is a fun-ass movie. And so is Murder Party. And so is all the little <laughs> Easter eggs and screams. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about Psycho Goreman. I'll just give you my synopsis for Psycho Goreman. This sister, who's a pain in the ass, and brother, they're playing crazy ball, which I don't know the fucking rules. I don't know that anybody does know the rules to crazy ball. And the loser has to be buried underground alive. So the brother lives or loses and he's got to dig a hole. This kid's like a fucking professional hole digger. He digs this huge ass. I'm like, what the fuck? And it's only nine o'clock at night when he's done. I'm like, what the fuck? He's got a bright future as a grave digger for sure. (laughs) So they dig this hole and they unearth this evil entity that's trapped it was put on earth it's trapped in this contraption and she does like this eeny meeny miny mo opens it up grabs a jewel they go to bed well it unleashes this creature this being that is the ender of all worlds like thanos maybe from the marvel universe but because she has the jewel she controls him and the fun ensues Yeah, the thing he was encapsulated in with the purple jewel there, it was almost like this like ancient Simon Says handheld game or something. And then she 
she just randomly hits this like this button code that happened to be the series of notes that were needed to open it and unleash it. And this was a first time watch for Jason. Clint and I have seen this movie. What do you think, Jason? I have been purposely ignoring this movie just because of what I've seen is like, I'm like, no, no, I I don't want to watch this. I don't know why. I feel like an idiot now for being like that for so long. And there's a couple movies that are like that. So I went into this movie. I've talked about like my mood when I go into movies and I started this movie and I want, I wanted so badly to hate this. I am picking it apart. I'm like, why the fuck are they digging a hole? How are they digging? What are they doing? Like, you know, I was picking apart everything and then I'm sitting there watching it and I start laughing and then there's more scenes where I start laughing. How do you not? (laughs) Yeah. Then like half an hour into it, I'm like, damn it. I'm like, this this movie's still cheesy, but it, it's pretty good. <laughs> like, So, yeah, that was my note. I was like, this is a movie I want to hate, but yeah, I'm really enjoying this. I got the whole the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers feel from all the characters in it. I wasn't a Power Ranger fan, but I've seen like the characters and stuff and it, <laughs> it was it was a fun watch. I've seen it before. I enjoyed the hell out of it. For whatever reason, I was kind of like you, Jason. I just did not want to sit down and watch it last night. And I couldn't tell you why other than for the past few days, I've had a lot going on in the Ink Mirror shop and I've been very regimented with my time. And I'm like, damn it, I don't want to take the time to watch this movie. Obviously, I did. Same thing. Like 10 minutes into it, I was like laughing. And I don't laugh a lot at movies. I'm not a big comedy fan. So for me to laugh out loud uncontrollably on a rewatch, and then I was was like why didn't i want to watch this this movie is so much fucking fun i'm glad i'm doing this but i was reminded shortly into it so i came across this movie i was just doing some random searches you know uh, maybe a year or two ago whatever it came out and i came across this i came across uh spaghetti man which i don't know if you guys have ever seen that that's a great movie uh it's on it's on prime spaghetti man watch it you'll love it it's not a horror it's it's a, a comedy slash superhero but it's in the same vein of psycho Goreman, minus the uh Power Rangers. But there were these fun movies like that that were popping up and Elena, sorry, Boots, was just on that cusp of, okay, you can watch whatever the hell you want to watch. And I came across Psycho Goreman. I just saw the trailer and I was like, this looks like fun. It looks something right up her alley. She's into anime. I kind of had that feel. So we put it on again, like 20 minutes into it. One of the first lines is suck my dick, asshole. <laughs> they get to the <laughs> Psycho Goreman comes up and then he walks away and he kills the uh, the bad guys in the, the abandoned shoe factory. And they're sitting there, suck my dick, asshole. And I'm going the first watch and you know, Boots is there and I've got my head in my hands like, Oh God, no, what did they get us into? This movie is filled with a lot of wit, sharp writing, nonstop um, action. It doesn't lag. But if you do want to watch it with your younger children, it does have a lot of gore. There is some, I don't want to say quite a bit, but there is some pretty foul language. So, Oh, my biggest laugh came when uh, they brought that uh, the friend to meet Psycho Gorman for the first time. As they're leaving, he's like, nice to meet you. And Psycho Gorman's sitting there. It would be nicer if you were dead. Yeah. I I wish you would die or something. I I laughed super hard at that part. And the kid just goes, oh, okay. My daughter's sitting there with me and she enjoyed it too. I mean, it was was a fun watch for both of us. That was Mamie's friend and they're going to get married, but they're not in love. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the the comedy in the in the dialogue and the writing came even before that and that's when they were digging that hole and her brother luke says to her maybe this is where they buried grandma and yep. she's like <laughs> she's like no it's not and then she's later on they're talking about it and she was like it's not grandma grandma's in hell forever and it was just <laughs> what you know <laughs> 
You remember, though, they weren't talking. They were, like, knocking on the wall. Yeah, that's they had this, like, Morse code. And then at the end of their discussion, or, like, they're in the middle of talking, well, knocking, and the mom starts knocking. Go to bed, like knocking on the wall. The uh, I think of the the del- the delivery too from everybody, all the actors involved in this film. Their delivery helped make this really sharp, witty dialogue come to life because they it was unapologetic. You know, it was just very matter of fact. And I think I love dry humor, and I think the delivery was just so dry and and normal to them that it made it even funnier. How about when the dad's going to dig the hole and he does like one scoop of, of dirt and he's like, ow, my hand. Oh, I can't move it. I got to go to the hospital. Oh, and the mom like walks him inside. Yeah. And on that scene, when we're sitting there watching it, the, he, the dad's like, all right, when do you guys have to fill this in? And they all vote. No, no, dad, you have to do it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that sounds familiar in this house. Yeah. Physical stuff. Like, oh, yeah, that's. <laughs> So much for democracy. (laughs) I kind of felt like a little, and I don't even know if they did it on purpose, but like a little political undertone of like, or even religious undertone. Like as you get into the movie, Psycho Gorman can't do anything wrong or evil because this girl has control of him. But then you find out about the Templars and there's these people hunting him because he's this horrible person. But then they're horrible too. Like you hear him tell his story. You know, we're jumping forward a ways, but you hear him tell a story and I'm like, I'm getting like a weird political or religious undertone about the movie. Did you guys get that? I don't know really about, I I know what you're saying. I don't know if I'd categorize it as as political or religious, but I mean, I can't think of the the correct words to use, but I get what you're saying is it had a fantastic backstory, just hierarchies and civilization and who controlled who. And I think, I think it's what you're getting at. Maybe we're saying the same thing, but in a different language. Yeah. It had a great backstory as far as like, um, modern like religious references i think the only scene that if you are spiritual or a christian or a believer in god or, or catholic or whatever there's the scene towards the end where mimi prays to this you know crucifix on the wall basically tells god to kiss off and then she says by the way you don't tell me what to do no one does and she breaks the crucifix over her knee and tosses it to the side and you're just kind of like wow okay there's a statement message well you do you remember when he's telling a story about how he got his powers he's talking about the templars came to his planet enslaved all the people to build these churches for them and then he found the gem and he went on this murderous rampage where he's just going from world to world to world killing people and then he had to be stopped which is great so it was like who's evil here right yeah like which one's the bad guy well uh, M- Mimi even says at the end she goes when Psycho Goreman uh, fights the lead Templar Mimi's like okay it's the battle between evil and worse evil but no I know what you're talking about so that that backstory was um, very you know you're, you're dealing with like authoritarians who you know enslaved and controlled but gave this image that they're there for your betterment but in all reality they were just enslaving everybody which is really cool because then psycho goreman actually becomes kind of like the anti-hero like the stone cold steve austin you know what i mean it's just like yeah he's bad but you root for him he is the lesser of the evils yeah i loved a lot of the special effects in this were great where he uh the guy says i don't want to die so he's like live forever and the guy's just kind of melted and his eyes are spinning and then the kids come to visit him and the loop knocks him over and he falls down his head explodes and you see his mouth like thank you (laughs) and psycho gorman's pissed he's like he was my masterpiece (laughs) <laughs> well, a lot of fun, like special effects, too, in this movie. You could tell that 
a lot of the budget was spent. I mean, between the digital effects, the practical effects, you had stop motion animation, you had use of models a lot more when they were kind of backstorying in the space, tons of creature costume suits. So on the Internet Movie Database, it said that this averaged or was estimated at a $1.5 million budget. And what's crazy is it's got a U.S. Canada gross of only 95182 and the worldwide was 95384 I don't understand how that works, if that's maybe based off like a, a limited theatrical release, maybe those numbers. It's it's insane to me that this movie took 1.5 to make, which actually, based off everything they accomplished with the effects, the inventiveness of it is amazing that it wasn't triple that. And then to only make a couple hundred thousand dollars is weird. It was a Shudder exclusive, though, wasn't it? They picked up the rights and streamed it. Yeah, so they had that. And so, I mean, maybe that's just to help sell subscriptions also. And It was almost maybe, what did I say? It's from 2020. So was Terrifier out yet in 2020? I don't remember when the original Terrifier came out. That was years before that, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure, yeah. You and I've talked about this, Clinton. Uh, John Eisberg talked about it on the last episode. There's so much that goes into the marketing of these movies, the marketing, that maybe it just didn't hit right. Like, it it had a pretty good cult following from what I remember. I mean, when it was going on to Shutter, people were like, oh, I can't wait to see this movie. I've heard so much about it. I think it did the film circuit, like the film festival circuit. You know, maybe it was just a marketing thing that the people that had their hands on it didn't do the due diligence. I don't, I don't think it was correctly marketed here in the States. This was a Canadian film made in Canada. Of course, in Canada, they had at some restaurants there, there's like a, a McDonald's type chain. I forget the name of the restaurant in Canada. And they had Psycho Gourmet Happy Meals. With, and I, my God, I've been trying to find one. So, because one of the reasons that uh, we decided to cover this movie is we're all going to Motor City Legacy in Detroit, April 14th, 15th, and 16th. Ding. And um, Mimi, the girl, the guy who played Psycho Gorman, and the director, correct, are all going to be there. This is like the guy who played Psycho Gorman inside the creature outfit. This is his first convention of appearance ever. And for the other two, this is, um, you know, they've got some other conventions they're going to be at, but they haven't been to many. It's her first U.S. appearance. She's made some appearances in Canada, I believe. So, um, again, I just, I don't think it was ever really marketed correctly here. It's just now taken off. Man, I wish I could get that Happy Meal so they could sign it for me. I'm looking at eBay. They do have some cool, like, action figures and Blu-ray set. Poster's pretty nice looking. I mean, the poster's simple, but, you know, at the same time, the colors make it beautiful, and it would probably carry a lot of autographs well. There's enough space around him standing there that you could autograph it up. Our friend Josh from Bootleg as Fuck Toys is going to be at Motor City Legacy, and I was talking with him the other day. Tentatively, tentatively is going to uh, have some Psycho Goreman merchandise on hand. I don't want to say much more because I didn't ask if I could say anything, and I don't know if he's going to be able to pull it off in time. He should be. Able to. You were talking about the budget of the movie. I thought the budget of the movie we all went into the music video they did. Well, I'm sure that ate up a lot of it too. I mean, how do you get a big brain to play the synthesized piano? That probably takes a lot of money, right? Then you gotta get Psycho Gorman drum lessons and write the song. Copyright the song. Frig you and frig off. That's one thing I was picking apart about the movie too when he turns the little boy into a brain. And I'm like, oh, this is okay now. We're just turning, you know, little boys into stuff. And then the other kid, when they're going through town, some kid yells at him or something and he like makes him explode. Hey, asshole. Nice Halloween costume. <laughs>
Yeah, then he's done for. Then the cops show up and he, you know, melts one of the cops. That was a that was a hilarious scene too. That's when I stop I couldn't stop laughing about fell off the couch. Gonna Boots is gonna watch us with me again, but she had some reading to do. So she kinda when she heard me laugh and she came in and then she like stood there at the edge of the couch and watched the rest of the movie. Hilarious. <laughs> that guy is so funny and he passes off the heart note and he's like, Please kill me and then he realizes his gun's melted to his hand and he's and he's just staggering around. And he tries to shoot himself in the head. <laughs> That caught me off guard the first time. I was like, I thought there was no bullets left in the gun. And he just like randomly shoots. Never has attempted suicide been so fucking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) He gives her the note and she's like, what the fuck is this? I I said love notes. (laughs) Uh, I love when his partner too was like, hey, uh, throw me the keys. (laughs) And it's like. Yeah, it was weird that, like, just this guy that looks nothing like a human is walking around town. They go to, like, the ice cream shop. They go eat at, like, a loose meat sandwich place. That was funny, too. Like, when they're eating and he, like, breaks the plate and shoves it all in his mouth. And Luke is like, what? Asks him a question. He's like, uh, being consumed is considered a warrior's death. And he starts telling a story. And she's like, no, six six hours for baking cakes. That's better. And he like just... Cuts. She didn't give two shits what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of looks at her like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, the only other comment I have typed out is about the little girl. I was like, I hate this little girl. I hope she dies miserably. <laughs> it was just, she was so evil. And uh. I saw someone comment on, um, I believe it was the Internet Movie Database, where someone said they, they couldn't get into the movie because of her, because her acting was so over the top. And it was over the top, but I think it was, that's the way it was supposed to be. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, you, she, she made you hate her, and there was a couple eye roll moments, but that's that's what you were supposed to, how you were supposed to react to her character. And, and Brian, I agree, that was probably the only part of the movie that I thought was weird was when they, the general public in the movie, you know, when they saw the brain walking down the street or hanging outside a Pizza Hut or whatever the hell it was, or when the Psycho Gorman blows up the kid. No one cared, everybody, and it was like, it almost makes you want to move to Canada. Like, oh, I can go there and do it <laughs> whatever the fuck I want and just no one seems to mind. Well, and at the at the end the little kid goes home. They're like it's time for dinner and he comes out and gets in the chair and the parents are none the wiser. They're just sitting there eating dinner. Yeah, they didn't pay a bit of attention. Was that Brooke Shields? Was his mom Brooke Shields? I couldn't find anything in the credits. Was it? It looked if not, it's she could be Brooke Shields. Mimi has control of Psycho Gorman. She's controlling him. Oh, he gets the TV. They give him a TV to watch. They want him to like do some research. And the magazines where he questions if he likes hunky boys or not. <laughs> yep. He's like, maybe I do. <laughs> so uh, he calls for his squad, his people, to come and to the planet, kill Mimi and Luke and the family, and get the gem so that he can take over the universe. Then you kind of cut away to the other side, the good, his opponents. I guess they're the good side. It's like a it's like a planetary alliance led by the Templars. It looks like all these crazy creatures you would see at the cantina in Star Wars. Yeah, it was almost like all the villains from Power Rangers were meeting having a meeting. Two different factions from the Power Rangers movies were battling each other. So they decide that they're gonna go to Earth and find Psycho Gorman and kill him. So that's when the Templars come in and then his people show up, of course, and try to attack him. They've made a deal with the Templars to run the planet they're on. Like all five, they're like, yeah, we just take turns wearing the crown and running the planet so that it's fair to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We like it like this. 
So they attack him and he can't fight back because Mimi is mad at him. And oh, because he was going to have Mimi and Luke killed by those people or creatures, whatever they are. And uh, that was some fun special effects too, like the big bucket metal thing with like all the skulls coming out of the top. Yeah, his uh, his weapon was he just shot blood all over Psycho Gorman that seemed to do absolutely nothing, but it looked so cool. It didn't matter. A lot of creativity. Yeah, the one thing was like a big plant that like threw stones at him. I couldn't figure that one out either. But they, so during that fight, they get the better of him because Gorman says something about they saved his blood and must have coated their weapons with it because it was able to cut him. So he was wounded pretty bad and, and weakened. And then that's when the Templar chick shows up to try to finish the deal and what she turns the mom into like uh she makes her drink this thing she divides the family against each other and then the mom turns the mom into a templar power ranger lady looking thing so they attack psycho gorman he lives yeah they have this blood on their blade so it is able to wound him and he calls for the dad who's taking a shit that was hilarious too (laughs) yeah he's like where are you <laughs> I thought at the at the end of that interaction his colon is cleansed. <laughs> Just... So the dad goes and picks up Psycho Goreman is bringing him back so he can rest or whatever. The Templar lady's there. She has summoned a, someone from Earth, brought them to where they were, puts her in a cube and smashes her down, you know, hand size, and then she smashes her on the table and wipes the blood on her face so she can transform into a human form. She comes to Earth. They're at the police station. You know, the guy's like talking about the police officer that got away is talking about how like he saw a psycho Goreman and the lady walks in. She's telling like the one cop what she's looking for. And they're like, we just, are you an idiot? Did you not listen? He's like, no. So that's when she goes and the dad pulls up with Psycho Goreman and the mom's like, just get out of the truck for once in your lazy fucking life. You don't have to do anything. Just get out of the truck. And he's like, no. So he drives off with Mimi and Psycho Goreman. My favorite character in space there at the the Planetary Alliance was like the brain inside the robot suit. He was just like a brain and eyes. And he's just kind of looking around and just, he doesn't talk, you know, just... His eyes are his reactionary stuff. It was hilarious. I love that. And the one part where uh, where she's squashing the woman, the guy sitting next to him or the person, whatever it is, sitting next to him, like tries to cover his eyes so he can't see it. And the one eye's like, look it out. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of creativity. And I mean, when you start getting into checking out, you know, the director and stuff, the writer-director, Stephen Kostansky, if you look at um, his internet movie database stuff, he's got makeup credits on Suicide Squad, Star Trek, ABCs of Death 2, Leprechaun Returns, Eli Ross the Clown, Hannibal the TV series. So, I mean, he's well-versed in special effects and it shows in this movie. And he's also, his director credits are ABCs of Death 2, W is for Wish, Leprechaun Returns, VHS 94, the Veggie Masher episode, and uh, the Day of the Dead TV series, which... Had a great produ- production value, but a terrible story, in my opinion. I, could, I tried watching it. I couldn't get into it. So, I mean, he brought that diverse, I mean, just listing off those movies, that's a pretty diverse universe of movies there, all in the same genre. But add in Power Rangers, and this is what you got, R-rated, inventive, special effects, death, blood, gore. Psycho Gorman. So the Templars come, the head Templar comes, and they Psycho Gorman's injured. She goes to fight him, and his... Final request as a warrior is that they face each other in battle, but not in battle, in Crazy Ball. Crazy Ball. So it's Luke and his mom and the Templar versus the dad, Mimi, and Psycho Goreman. 
what were they called? The the suck squad or the yeah, I can't even remember the sucky <laughs> team or something. And <laughs> they were like, "Can you explain the rules again?" No, you should have listened the first time. <laughs> She's the only one that knows the rules. Yeah, I'm sure she, she probably changes them every time. <laughs> well, and also during this time period, you know, against so the Psycho Gorman's wounded pretty badly from the battle of his his squad who turned against him. And Psycho Gorman to me is like the only way I can get better is if you give me that gem. And she's reluctant to do it because she likes the control, I think, more than anything. But she also knows that Gorman will, you know, kill her and anybody he comes across if he has that complete power. So her dad pulls her aside for that full house moment. And he's like, you know, one time in school, this guy asked me into his van to show me so he, <laughs> I, he could show me his baseball card collection. And so you're thinking that he's immediately going to say, you know, I shouldn't have done it. Don't listen to strangers. But no, it was the complete opposite. He was like, so I went in that van and that weird man showed me the best baseball card collection I've ever seen. I'm so happy I listened to that weirdo. Now go listen to your murderous weirdo and give him his jewel back. And you're just as a viewer like, what the fuck? (laughs) That's how Brian and I met. And the van looking at baseball cards. I thought it was something to do with a camping trip in Poison Ivy. Oh, no, that was a few years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, things got real weird. <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> it got like, weird there. So I'm, I'm like, let's go yeah, right he's in. Like, uh, he's like, he's like, time to go. So eventually, she gives uh, Psycho Goreman his jewel back. She does say, you know, you have to uh, agree that you're not going to kill me and my family. To which he does. And he kind of has this story arc to a degree where he, through this dysfunctional family, discovers what love is. He had never encountered that emotion or feeling. And so by the end of it, he has like some sort of appreciation. He understands what love is and he gets the jewel back. He kills the Templar lets the family live and then he portals right into a different part of the town and immediately just starts destroying fucking everything because he is the anti-hero he even though he has this new appreciation for some degree of humanity he's still just going to do what he's going to do and that is destroy and conquer and at the end the you know the news is like breaking news giant purple man is just purple man with no pants is destroying everything And that I thought you would appreciate, Brian. I thought you would appreciate that, Brian, because when they do that, the news coverage, he looks to me like I got a lot of Godzilla. He was standing there, looked like Godzilla standing over this town to shoot rays out of his mouth or whatever. So we, I touched a little bit on the director and some of the stuff that he done real quick. The uh, Nita is, I don't know if it's Josie Hannah, that's how you say her name, but she played Mimi. So she also had an uncredited, ugh, uncredited role in Hulu's Books of Blood. I don't know if you guys saw that a couple, three years back. Books of Blood came out on Hulu. It was a Clive Barker thing, and it was kind of an anthology. I don't remember her in that. Obviously, she was uncredited, and she was probably pretty young because that was before Psycho Goreman, and she's still young in Psycho Goreman. You get a chance, go to Hulu and watch Books of Blood. It's a lot of fun. And also, Owen Meyer, who plays her brother Luke, he is in Terrifier, and he was also in, I think, season two of uh, Nosferatu. So, you know, there's there's some experience between the director and, and the leads in this as far as the cast and crew. Despite that, no sequel yet. 
But there is a Kickstarter campaign that exists for an anthology comic book series set during the movie's timeline. The comics are going to be done by Lethal Comics. The last time the Kickstarter was updated was February 14th. It currently has 978 backers with a current total of $72,279. So they're going to offer digital art, comic books, stickers, all, all kinds of cool stuff. If you're interested, go check out the Kickstarter. They have different categories of monetary value with a lot of cool perks. I want a sequel. What would the sequel be? I mean, he's destroyed and dominated the entire universe, you know? Maybe Mimi somehow finds a power and they face off to be the ultimate ruler of the universe. (laughs) Because she's, you know, she's an asshole. I mean, as long as the sequel has the great dialogue and the interactions between like Psycho Goreman and, and the brother and sister there, which I think is what made this movie and the sharp, witty writing, I will, I'll pay to see it. I'll pay to see it a few times. Great stuff. Rotten Tomatoes has a 92% out of 83 reviews, but it's like an average of 7.2 out of 10. So a lot of other people seem to agree. And if they do a sequel, hey, if the director winds up listening to this episode, actually, we'll see him at Motor City Legacy, so I'll just tell him. <laughs> If you do it, if you do a sequel, release some Happy Meal toys here in the states, man. I want one of those fucking Happy Meal toys. And a sequel has to have the cop with the gun attached to his hand because he's the funniest <laughs> character. They got to bring him. <laughs> he wound up getting killed. They got to bring him back. Well, I wouldn't imagine it would be a McDonald's toy. Be like a Carl's Jr. Maybe uh, Jack in the Box. I, yeah. I love me some sourdough bacon double bacon cheeseburger. Let's do it. So, what do you think? You want to rate the movie? Who wants to go first? I want to hear Jason's. I'm curious because <laughs> you usually usually lead off anyway. But yeah, I know this this typically isn't kind of like your your wheelhouse, but it sounds like you enjoyed it. So I'm curious. Uh, we had fun with it. I'm glad my daughter watched it with me. We get on a little kick of watching movies. So I mean, it kind of won for the podcast here. Um, I'm going to give it, you know, a six psycho Gorman's unhinged jaws eating people whole out of 10. I'm glad I finally watched it. I mean, I was kind of made to watch it, but not really. I mean, because we are covering it. So it's like not, ma- you know, I wasn't threatened to be melted or anything. At least that I know of. There could be conversations behind the scenes, but it's but no, it, it was it was a it was a good first watch. I went into it thinking this was gonna be dumb with some decent effects, but no, it's pretty good story. Could have been a little bit shorter, even though it was only an hour and a half, but they had to fit a lot of crap into it. So I enjoyed it. Glad I watched it. I would watch part two. I honestly watch it again, kind of see the stuff that I had missed before because what you guys were talking about with the creatures and stuff and there's a lot of layers, a lot of little stuff, and that lot of little kind of quick, dry humor that to continue to give Motor City Legacy a plug, since we're going to be there also, they are doing a screening of Psycho Goreman at Motor City Legacy. I think it's the Saturday, so the 14th, 15th, 16th, so I think the 15th and the Saturday. And if I remember correctly, it's with the director or with the actress who played Mimi or maybe, I, I don't know if it's all of them who are going to be there might be a tough one to not slip off to. We're going to be next to Ted's Marvelous Custom Gumball Emporium, and our friend Brian Hoover is going to be around the corner. We've got some other vendor friends there. I might say, all right, guys, watch my table. I'm going to watch a fucking movie. So what'd you rate it, Clint? Man, it's tough. It is so tough because here we are, second watch for me, and I still laughed out loud and again repeat myself. <laughs> I don't I don't laugh at movies. I'm not a big comedy guy, and I forgot all about that cop, and I fucking lost it when he came on screen. <laughs> Initially, I was going to go 
along, I was going to be right in par with Jason. I was going to go six or seven. To me, five is a middle of the road average movie that I'd probably watch again if it was on, you know, six or seven's better. When you get into that eight, nine, 10 range, it's like, this is a spectacular movie. And as I'm watching it, I realized this might seem high, but I'm going to go nine power Ranger references out of 10. This movie is well-written. It doesn't lag. Story is phenomenal. The effects were great. It's everything it's supposed to be. It celebrates the cheesiness, which makes it not cheesy. Yeah, I'm going nine out of 10. Uh, I can't wait to take in some more cycle and i'm excited to meet the the uh, cast and crew i just had a package handed to me like after we did the why are we poor <laughs> so that'll that'll wait for another episode Ooh, a teaser huh you guys always get shit delivered to you while we're recording i never get a damn thing right <laughs> i was expecting a record today and then i'm like wait why is it handwritten if it's coming from target so I'm right there with you, Clan. I, I love this movie. It's maybe the third or fourth time I've watched it. I got up early this morning before everybody and threw it on and watched it again. I went nine out of ten also. Nine out of ten frig offs. And if you don't like <laughs> Psycho Goreman, you can frig off too. Frig off. Yeah. <laughs> I have a four-year-old, so this is probably not in her wheelhouse yet but at some point i will put this on and i would imagine she will love it i mean it's just it's fun it's cheesy power rangers references creatures the godzilla kind of kind of stuff that she loves now um, it's all just mixed together well with a little bit of S lsd sprinkled in you know like i think we said that one time it's like the power rangers on a lsd trip or like different along those lines so what six nine and nine so a good seven and a half and it's got 93 percent on rotten tomatoes i mean people seem to love this movie it just didn't translate well to the box office or you know whatever i think shutter's done well with it on streaming and i would imagine at some point down the road this is going to be one of those movies that you'll see arrow release or shout factory or you know, it'll get a cult following if it already hasn't. I mean, we will be able to tell when we go to Motor City Legacy how many people are interested in this film because we'll see the lines. That's the point I was going to bring up is I think that um, for for all the people who aren't aware of this movie, I think the it's a testament to the movie that a lot of people aren't aware of it. It seems like the cast or crew are now getting ready to hit all these conventions because, again, um, you know, Legacy is going to be the, the first ever appearance of the guy who played Psycho Goreman. Mimi's done some stuff in Canada, but now she's this is her first one in the States. And they're all going to be in conventions after this. I've seen them book at conventions the rest of the year. So it's a testament right there. And then I also think that those uh, appearances are going to bring more awareness to the film. And let, let's face it, bottom line, another reason to rate this movie and enjoy this movie is if you're a fan of trauma movies, and we've always talked, I've talked about in other past episodes about those, about like, say, uh, Blades, a movie like Blades being remade, continuing that style of film. This isn't a remake of Blades, but this is a continuation of that style of film, and it's done real well. If you're a fan of trauma and you haven't heard of or seen Psycho Goreman, you're going to fucking love this movie. I guarantee it. You know what I say? It's the heckin' best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I watched that video like three times this morning. It's like, this is fucking great. <laughs> With all of the gore and the, what, what did I say, that suck my dick assholes and all that stuff, they, <laughs> they still will, were aware enough to make the kids say frick and heck and think that they were like these big time swearing kids, you know, because they were at that age group. Oh, man. So now that we've rated the movie, let's hear from our podcast network, the PFPN, because they're the heckin' best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you don't listen to them, then you can just frick off. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, the PFPN, again, we don't have a question. So I have some ideas rolling around in this little brain about a new segment. So stay tuned. So we don't have a question. What are we up to? What are you up to, Jason? Anything? As you guys are listening to this, like we've talked about before, Motor City Legacy, heading up to Detroit. I'm a big Detroit Lions fan, Michigan Wolverines fan. So I'm going to be in the Holy Land for a couple days. Horror and sports, which Clint doesn't care about. He thinks the Lions are a baseball team. So, <laughs> I mean, it's. I have some plans to get away from the convention and go to a couple little shops that I've seen up there, like sports related. And Clint mentioned going to the big house. So, I'm excited for that. That's actually going to be the, the worst part about you guys coming up. The, the only negative part is there's so much up that I want to like hang out and show you guys and let's go do this. Let's go see that. I want to go see Renfield comes out that week and I thought it'd be fun for us to go see Renfield, but there's just not going to be any fucking time. So I'll talk to you about this later, Clint, but my wife and I have a road trip coming up and we talked about being up in Detroit again. So I'll mention it to you and we can kind of hang out and plan something for maybe a day or two. Yeah, that'd be fun if there wasn't a convention going on. Yeah, it'll be in May, so hopefully we don't have a, you don't have a lot going on. We'll talk about it. I've only got one show in May, and it's a one day event. So okay, perfect, perfect. And we're taking a whole week vacation. So so yep, yeah, got that going on. The week after we get back is uh, record store day. We've talked a lot about records on here, so I mean it's the annual April record store day. Nothing big horror related. Uh, Dead by Daylight soundtrack is a horror release. Some people might be interested in, but I'm gonna go for some of the other stuff. But that's kind of interesting if anybody here is interested in that. It's it's next week if you're listening to this, the first weekend of release. So go out and support your local record stores. Other than that, Glad Springs here. Nothing else really going on that I know of. Still, It's still snowing here. Is it really? No, I'm just kidding. Actually, you know what? No, actually Wednesday it did for a little bit, for like an hour, and then it, and then it went away. But Jason, I think it's your doesn't your mom live up in the UP? So she just got hit again. And she just got blasted with snow. I saw. Yeah, she lives like way up there though. We had tornadoes here, <laughs> so it was like it was dicey for 
Friday night. I actually got out of work early because our, our work closed. They're like, hey, we're closing by three. Get home. I just put two and two together. Your mom is kind of close to Canada. I wonder if she could go over there and get us some Psycho Gourmet Happy Meals. Damn it. All right. When it comes out again, I'll send her. Like, all right, here's gas money. We want 20 Happy Meals. <laughs> we just want the sweet toys. <laughs> Brian, what do you got going on? What do I got going on? Well, I'm going to Motor City Legacy with Jason. Meet you there, Clint. So you'll have your number one t-shirt seller in the house. <laughs> like I said, someone's got to do it. Some cool panels I want to check out. One was just announced with a, someone's going to be talking about Japanese horror, and that sounds fun. Tax day's coming up. That's the most horrifying day in the United States for a lot of people. So if you don't have your taxes done, don't forget, or Uncle Sam will come after you. <laughs> no, other than that, I got nothing. Clint and I had talked about, we're talking about taking a trip up to Michigan because Tiffany's never been to Michigan. And it's, uh, I think, during another convention. So maybe I'll hit that up and hang out with Clint for the day while Tiffany and Finley go do some shopping and sightseeing. You had, I don't think you had said much to me directly, but I saw a couple comments you made. Uh, you're thinking about coming up to uh, check out Nightmares, huh? On that Saturday, yeah. Tiffany's already been doing her due diligence, finding out like what's around that area, where we could stay and where they could go and shop museums and playgrounds and stuff like that. I know you guys like to hit little unique gift shops and stuff. There is a, a store in the area in proximity to where Motor City Nightmares is called Dancing Eye Gallery. And the lady who runs that, she hits all the horror conventions also, and she's bought some t-shirts off me. Real cool lady, lots of fun, cool stuff at her store. That might be something Tiffany would like to check out. Jason, when, when you and Tanya come up, if you headed that way, that might be something too you might want to check out. So Clint has to put up with us together and then us separately sometime this spring. Poor guy. I mean, I'll just leave. Let's take <laughs> off. I'll be like, hey, Ted, smug, smuggle me out of here. Same thing as you guys. So I, I really hope that our listeners aren't getting sick of hearing about us talk about Motor City <laughs> Legacy. Rarely. So if, if you're listening and you don't know, we don't live near each other. Brian and Jason are roughly an hour, uh, I think, away from each other where they live. You know, the, the far west side of Illinois, getting into Iowa. I obviously live in Michigan. So we don't get a whole lot of chances to really hang out together in person. So when those uh, opportunities come up, we're excited about it, you know. And it also allows us the opportunity at these conventions like Motor City Legacy to represent the podcast in person, which I think is really important to network and just hang out and meet fans of our show who we are fans of also, you know, and maybe create some new fans out of that. Motor City Legacy, by the time you hear this episode, it's going to be the weekend of, so we're going to be there having a good time, hopefully selling a bunch of stuff with inkmirrors.com, uh, meeting the cast of Psycho Goreman. Um, hopefully I'm not in jail because, you know, Jill Whitlow is going to be at Motor City Legacy. And guys, don't let me drink before I go meet her, okay? I don't even really drink anymore, so it probably won't be an issue, but uh, I might need to for Liquid Courage because it's fucking Jill Whitlow. Whew. Yeah, that's about it, doing that. And I'm also excited to uh, for you guys to, to meet Ted. Ted, to meet uh you know brian hoover to meet chris from uh deep decompositions you know what i mean um just a lot of cool people you guys have interacted with but haven't met in person that's gonna be fun you gotta check out these gumball machines i've been hearing all about 
pictures look cool, but yeah, I got I got to check them out. Ted's really, in my opinion, come leaps and bounds from where he started, and he started in a really good place. I think his creativity and I think his um, his artistry, you know, it's just it's it's solid. He's he's putting out some really good stuff. Bring a truck so you got room to buy some stuff from Ted and take it home. I'm not bringing much with me. Just a poster, a scream bucket. It's about it. And then ourselves. So I got space. The money's going to be the issue. (laughs) (laughs) Excited. I am excited to see you guys above and beyond anything else. But with that said, Brian, don't think otherwise. If I'm like, hey, don't forget my my Bloody Valentine cassette. Hey, don't forget my boxes of toys and shirts. Hey, don't forget my make sure it's smudge free. Don't forget your wrestle buddies to play with on the to play with on the car ride up. So now that you've heard what we're up to, don't forget to check out the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and go over to YouTube. Give us subscribe comment we'll be sure to comment back and we'll see you next time or we won't see you we'll talk to you next time or maybe we will see you bye bye (laughs) bye and don't forget ladies and gentlemen he said he opened the show with i just bought a new chainsaw (laughs) i don't think i could do the rest of the episode i'm so worried about my sticker Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?